There's a new controversy over cannabis oil as state lawmakers gather to prepare for next year's session. This week, we sit down with Attorney General Curtis Hill and House Speaker Brian Bosma, and we'll talk with the top Democrat in the House about his decision to step aside. Plus, the latest on the nationwide whirlwind of sexual misconduct allegations in politics and media. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. There's a lot of discussion here in Indiana, in Washington, and really across the country. An ongoing conversation about the prevalence of sexual misconduct in politics, media, and beyond. This past week, CBS News fired morning anchor Charlie Rose after several women made allegations of sexual harassment that were reported by the Washington Post. New accusations in Congress as well. Michigan Democrat John Conyers, the longest serving member of the House, now facing accusations that he improperly touched female staffers. He admits he settled a sexual harassment complaint but denies doing anything wrong. And of course, the Roy Moore allegations continue to make news with the president seemingly coming to Moore's side, making these remarks to the media Tuesday before he went out of time for the holiday weekend. Well, he denies it. Look, he denies it. I mean, if you look at what what is really going on and you look at all the things that have happened over the last 48 hours, he totally denies it. He says it didn't happen. And, you know, you have to listen to him also. There is also a new super PAC in Indiana weighing in on this Alabama race. We'll tell you more about that later this morning. Meantime, this issue also being talked about in the halls of the Indiana State House, with some discussion about possibly requiring harassment training for state lawmakers who met for Organization Day this past Tuesday. Here's what Speaker Brian Bosma had to say about that issue. The time to look at maybe some sort of mandatory training for lawmakers to avoid what we've seen happen in so many other places. Yeah, we actually do it. Whether it's mandated or not, it is part of the uh, initial training for new members. And we have discussions, frequent discussions about it along the way. All right, much more ahead on that issue with our panel. But right now we turn to Matt Smith. Matt, you spoke with Speaker Bosma this past week about some of the other key issues they're looking at this coming year at the State House. So there's a, a unifying of the message between the House, the Senate, and the governors to really talk about workforce development. That is going to be the banner, the banner at least they want to be for this right. upcoming <laughs> session. Uh, well, we talked with the Speaker earlier this week, and he used an interesting example to talk about this problem where employers here in Indiana are trying to find the correct workforce. Take a listen. Let's just say we're talking about a major employer that's trying to site select for a major expansion and maybe they need 50,000 workers to make that happen. You can have the right tax environment, you can have the right regulatory environment and you can have locations that are suitable but you have to have 50,000 workers to fill those uh, jobs. It's certainly an issue. If we were to land a big opportunity like that, could we make it happen? Yes, we would make it happen. Do we leap off the chart as you know, having people chomping at the bit to fill these spots? We don't. So we've got to upgrade our workforce. Are there specific things, not only for workforce, but generally you need to see done this session in terms of the opioid crisis? Yeah, we, we have to have more treatment options. We've made progress in this regard, um, and it's, it's not like every state isn't dealing with this issue, but it's especially hit the Midwest hard for whatever reasons. We're the crossroads of America for the legal economy. We come the crossroad, become the crossroads of America for the illegal economy as well. So uh, we want to help people. Uh, we don't want to punish people who are addicted. We want to punish those who are trafficking. 
uh, in you know the major operatives, absolutely, we need to punch them harder than we are now. But we want to get people help. And a license to carry a handgun, is that going to see more movement this year than it did last session? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that yet. We really haven't discussed that as a caucus. I do know that law enforcement expressed grave concern last year and concern this summer. There may be some uh, technological ways to address their concerns about whether a person is a uh, person who is prohibited from carrying a, uh, a uh, firearm. So we're looking for opportunity for that. We, we want to make it sensible change, just not change for change sake. Uh, Sunday sales. Uh, don't know where we're going to go on that yet. I've personally said I'm in favor of it. I have been for quite some time. And, uh, and the commission of re former regulators and legislators that we've put together have already supported that, uh, that proposal. So I suspect that will receive, uh, receive favorable treatment this session. But again, that'll be up to a committee chairman, it'll be up to a committee, it'll be up to a, a body of 100 members here and 50 in the Senate. If I were to predict, I'd say it, it's going to pass. The problem is it gets loaded up with all kinds of other proposals. You know, what this industry group or that industry group wants to make their buck or, or you know, get their, if they lose this leverage, they've got to have their thing. And it's my hope we have a clean bill on Sunday sales and move it through. Is there the same support for cold beer and grocery store and convenience stores? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I have a little bit of a different viewpoint on it, but like many families in this state, We've had a family member that was killed by a drunk driver at uh, 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon that was drunk on beer. So my viewpoint is this isn't just a consumer issue. This is a, this is a controlled substance. So we control its sale. We control where it's sold. We control who sells it. We control uh, who, who can buy it. Should we make it available like it's bread or milk? I don't think so. Uh, but having said that, we clearly need to make some changes in the permitting process I'm not sure that each of 3,000 gas stations is, is a great source for not just beer, cold beer, but hard liquor, which they could theoretically sell as well. Get your gas, your tank filled up, grab your six pack and a fifth for the road. I, I'm just not sure that's the best, the best program. Having said that, I'm not here to dictate that policy. Uh, we've got 150 thoughtful policymakers here, plus a governor that's engaged in the issue, so we'll try to come to the right decision. Dan, we've heard him say that before about his role in all of this, yeah. that he's not a dictator, he's going to let the legislatures uh, work this out. Another interesting note, and he made this specifically to the group of lawmakers in the House last week, in terms of social media mm. and conduct yeah. and civility, he said, I'm going to be civil, I'm not going to go out and spout online. And he told lawmakers to do the same, and to the extent that he can in his power, he will stop them from trolling online. A couple instances last year yeah. where some and lawmakers were questioned about their yep. tweets. You also spoke with House Minority Leader Scott Pilath, yep. of course, who's stepping down from his post to spend more time with his family. In fact, Democrats meeting this weekend to discuss a replacement. A decision could be announced as soon as tomorrow. And Matt, you asked him why step aside from the leadership, leadership. post now. Here's that. Why leave the leadership role this session and not continue that? Okay, your turn. thank you. Very good question. Um, I will not saddle my caucus with a lame duck leader. <laughs> it's an extraordinarily important election cycle. And I knew unambiguously that that was the right thing to do. Uh, because what happens is when everyone knows you're not coming back, people stop listening to you as much. Uh, they're not sure exactly who they're supporting. And that uncertainty is, is, not, uh, is not good. And, uh, 
even for the caucus members who are sorry to see me go, I've been very clear that that's the right decision. That is happening as we speak, yeah. that debate. Uh, the Speaker of the House, Brian Bosma, uh, heaping a lot of praise on him for their bipartisan work um, over, over the last years. We'll see who gets the post. Yeah. Now, of course, one of the big issues that came up on Organization Day, CBD oil. And you spoke with the Attorney General about his decision on this, his new opinion, shortly before lawmakers gaveled in for work. And not only that, the quick reaction that came from state lawmakers. Take a look. Swift reaction. As Indiana lawmakers return to the State House for their annual organization day. I think he's wrong. I am disappointed by the decision. Attorney General Curtis Hill releases his much anticipated opinion determining the possession or sale of CBD oil in Indiana is illegal. The only exception, what lawmakers approved earlier this year patients or caregivers who've registered with the state to treat treatment resistant epilepsy. That does beg the question of how they get it. That uh, is not clear in the, uh, in, in fact, there, there does not seem to be a provision that addresses that particular issue. State Representative Jim Lucas says he'll introduce legislation to fully legalize the product, which is an extract of cannabis. We've messed around with this for long enough. Uh, too many people, we've, we've, you know, been left in the dark as what the state, you know, is it legal, is it not legal? In the meantime, people are actually suffering, not just suffering, but dying. The advisory opinion is just that, the Attorney General's legal interpretation for both law enforcement and lawmakers. There is consensus for a lot of folks that this CBD oil is a, a valid treatment, especially for very young people with epileptic seizures. I mean, that has been proven. Bosma says lawmakers in the coming weeks will need to quickly work to clarify the law. All right, also new proposals this morning on the table to help fight the state's opioid crisis. State Senator Jim Merritt announcing a number of new proposals he would like to champion coming up. Those include mandatory lockable bottles for prescription drugs and expanding the use of naloxone along with the implementation of a statewide prescription drug take-back program. If it's from the knowledge of the physician of, of uh, securing the, the opioids once they leave the pharmacy, or allowing uh, easy access to turn those back if someone doesn't want them in their medicine cabinet and they're finished with them. We need a, an overall comprehensive approach. All right, after the holidays, lawmakers return to the State House for the first day of the session coming up on January 3rd. We will be there. Yeah. Matt, thank you so yep. much. Of course, Jim Merritt also serves as the county yep. chairman for the Marion County Republicans, where he's had to deal with quite a situation involving Councilman Jeff Miller. Miller is scheduled to appear in court a week from tomorrow. Facing charges of child molestation, Merritt and other local Republicans had been calling for Miller to resign. In fact, they expected him to resign on Monday, but he did not immediately resign. We'll see what happens next. Up next, much more on this national conversation about sexual misconduct, including new polling numbers. Should Al Franken and Roy Moore step aside? We'll tell you what some voters are saying. And the Indiana Super PAC now endorsing Roy Moore. And the vice president's hometown of Columbus, proud of their native son, but also calculating the costs of his frequent visits back home. Will they need more money for overtime, or is it much to do about nothing? Stick around. We'll be right back. Indy Star columnist Tim Swearens, former state lawmaker Christina Hale, former Marion County Republican Chair Mike Murphy, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. Uh, talking about everything going on, uh, these reports of sexual misconduct, these are all very different situations, we should say, but a lot of men in politics and media 
this week, again, finding themselves accused of sexual misconduct. How should people be reacting? How should the president be reacting? Well, uh, I wish that the president was reacting like people are reacting. They are rightly appalled by the things that are coming out. Um, the president, on the other hand, is uh, seemingly doubling down on Roy Moore, the Senate candidate down in Alabama, who faces, I think, now eight different allegations of sexual harassment. Um, I think the question we have to be asking, two questions, does do these revelations change behavior as we go forward, or is this a, a wave in a bottle? Right. Um, and what else is there? There's yeah. got to be more. Locally, Councilman Jeff Miller, of course, uh, facing charges of child molestation. Mike, you used to serve as the county GOP chair. What would you do about this situation, uh, this Jeff Miller situation, if you were in Jim Merritt's shoes right now? Well, first of all, I'm glad to have uh, Senator Miller as our Senator Merritt as our right. chairman because I think he's doing a great job of leadership right now. I do exactly what he's doing. He's trying to ratchet up the pressure on Jeff Miller to resign. Jeff said he was going to resign, then he changed his, his mind for whatever reason. But there's things he can do. If I were him, I'd be working with uh, the, the Democratic leadership, Maggie Lewis, to take away his committee chairmanships, to take away his email, to put him in the corner of the broom closet, whatever it takes for him to get the message that this is unacceptable. I think Merritt's doing a great job, and, and I think uh, Mike McQuillan and Maggie Lewis have done a good job so far as well. It's an issue that's not going to go away. A lot of other states, a lot of politicians dealing with this very thing. It's not going to go away. And I do think we have to be very careful not to conflate a lot of these different crimes and behaviors. Sexual harassment is not child molestation, which is far more serious. We have a terrible problem with both, certainly, but I think first and foremost is ensuring the safety of children, safety from this kind of violent crime. And secondly, women in the workplace what happens there, it happens everywhere. I think we'll be hearing more and more about these stories in right. the months to come. Meantime, some of these uh, national stories back to Roy Moore, Al Franken. There are some new numbers from Morning Consult this week. Voters weighing in on this, they were asked, should Roy Moore be expelled from the Senate if elected? We've got those numbers uh, to show you right here. 57% say he should be. And should Al Franken resign? Well, again, a majority saying yes, Franken should resign, 50% saying he should resign, 22% say he should not. What do you make of those numbers, Tim? Well, I, again, two different situations. What Al Franken did was inexcusable. It was horrible. It, it wasn't, uh, he's not accused of, of attempted rape. He's not accused of child abuse. Roy but Moore is. in both is. cases, voters want them out. Absolutely. And, and uh, should Al Franken resign personally? Yeah, I think he should, given, given uh, the, the evidence of his behavior and, and given where he's been on this issue. He's exposed as somebody who's a, a massive hypocrite. Uh, his credibility on a very important issue has been completely undermined. Uh, Roy Moore shouldn't be in the race. Uh, and it was absolutely appalling this past week that the president gave what was essentially an endorsement uh, to an accused child molester. And, and meantime, the day after, uh, the president made those statements. A super PAC called Indiana First announced this week that they are, quote, proudly endorsing Roy Moore and will be down in Alabama campaigning for him. It's terrifically sad. It shows how partisan we've become, There's how tweet. divided we've become on, on an issue that really should not be partisan, should not be political. We're talking about the protection of children. And, and both Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals, ought to be able to agree that we have a, a massive responsibility to try to protect children in our culture. This group uh, also says they're going to be backing congressional candidates in Indiana. Uh, w one of those congressional candidates uh, telling me he hadn't heard about this yet, but you have to imagine some of them 
uh, may want to back away from this pack a little bit. I strongly suggest that they do back away from that pack. And also, I think that Senator Franken should step down because he has called himself a feminist a number of times and he is out to, you know, telegraph to young girls and women that they are just as important as their male counterparts. This belies his messaging. And as someone as well who has talked time and again about the behavior of President Trump, no matter what, this behavior, I think, reveals that um, your actions need to match your words. I'm, I'm glad uh, Christine is talking like that because the Democratic Party has turned against the senator from New York. Is it Hillenbrand? What's her name? Hildebrand? Kristen Hillenbrand. 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 Because she suggested that Franklin, Franken should resign and that we should quit honoring uh, Bill Clinton. And the party is completely turned on here, and that's sad. Well, well I don't think the entire party has turned <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, because you've got there two people members sitting of the here party next guy. to you who are they, both Democrats who think that he they, should resign. Both Democrat women. The East yes. Coast, <laughs> certainly the East Coast <laughs> leadership and the East Coast uh, political media. But a lot of these situations should just be apart from party politics anyway. That's the point a lot of people are making. It, true, but, but let's remember that uh, a little over a year ago, Bill Clinton was given a primetime speech to the Democrat, Democratic National Convention. Bill Clinton, who was accused by at least three women of sexual assault uh, and and what the party's response at the time we're going back 20 years the party's response at the time was to attack the accuser right, two things on that Tim and I'm not defending Bill Clinton and what he did it was 20 years ago he was impeached there's a very public record of his behavior and some congressional hearings that we can all quote from no doubt on this show I'm not defending it but I don't see the need to bring Bill Clinton back into this when we have all these things that are coming out right now. Let's well, just Bill say Clinton, it's all bad. The, the Democratic Party brought Bill Clinton back into it in 2016. We're only going back a year where, again, he gave a primetime speech and was uh, gave a standing ovation by the Democratic leadership. Uh, the Democrats have wrapped themselves around Bill Clinton and embraced him. Uh, and never really come to grips with what he was accused of doing. That might be true, but I think we're all learning something now, and I think it's an important time of self-reflection for Democrats, and maybe we should be looking in the mirror and thinking about that and thinking twice about who we put on our stage. Some Absolutely. people have started to have I mean, that conversation about These two may be too Clinton's young to even remember when Bill Clinton got in trouble. I don't know, but it was in the, it was in the mid to late 90s, and uh, it, it was important then. And it's still important. All right. We'll talk much more about that in the weeks to come, no doubt. Meantime, changing gears. Talking about the vice president and his travel back home to Columbus, Indiana. Obviously, we're in the holiday season now. Many politicians flying back home. For the VP, that means Air Force Two and a whole lot of extra security as well. The Indy Star reporting this week on the discussion at the City Hall in Columbus where they voted to increase the budget for police overtime pay. The mayor clarified only about half the extra money needed is related to Pence's visits. And he said, quote, the expense is well within our ability to manage. He also said it's a good problem to have. We're proud of Mike, pleased to participate in some small way in his public service. What do you make of this uh, kerfuffle this week in I've, Columbus? I've always had a difficult time making a big deal out of travel for um, um, elected officials who have the security level that the, the president, president he, of the I mean, United States. It costs a lot for him to travel no matter where he goes. It's unfortunate that that is hurting Columbus's budget, but that's his hometown, so he's, he's going to go back there. there. Yeah, I, I, I don't... He's I, the next in line to be the most powerful man in the world. If something happens to President Trump, Mike is in the batter's box, right? And you have to keep him safe, even it means a little more expense for the, his hometown or any town. Was this much ado about nothing or perhaps stemming a little bit as well from the Colts game controversy and the costs associated with that trip? I'm sure there's some carryover there, but I yeah. think everybody understands we have to keep our vice president safe. And, you know, there are many people that are proud that he's from the great state of Indiana. 
and um, welcome his return home. We got to move quickly to some state house issues. Let's talk about Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill and that interview with our Matt Smith announcing his decision on cannabis oil. A lot of reaction to this already. What's the General Assembly going to do about it next year? I don't think they do anything next year, to be honest, just because it's the General Assembly and it takes them a long time to do anything. <laughs> what other issues are you guys looking at in the year ahead on this topic or others? Oh, I think a number. I think we still don't have any legislation um, put forward to do something about revenge pornography. We have, we're speaking about sexual violence against children. There are many, many gaps in the law that need to be addressed now regarding um, online pornography, child trafficking. You know something about age that. Of, age of consent. Age of consent. Well, I think no, the issue that nobody's talked about yet is the sale last week of Rod Radcliffe's two tracks to Caesars for $1.7 billion. God bless him. I mean, he's been very successful. But that tips the balance now uh, in the state of Indiana. It could, it could send uh, the whole gambling industry into kind of a, a, a tizzy. And I don't care what you say, since 1993, every session of the legislature ultimately has been about gambling. Gaming issues, Sunday sales issues, could be a lot on the table this year for legislators. Coming up, state lawmakers also looking to help foster families in Indiana after some troubling numbers reveal how many kids and families could use that help. We'll be right back. 150 Hoosier children are waiting for a foster family, while 17,000 others already are in foster homes. In response, Indiana lawmakers announced their volunteer efforts this year will focus on helping Indiana's foster families. They'll be organizing a major donation drive in January. Children need a family that will love them and care for them and give them good education uh, so that they can get a job and have a good life, and that is what my parents did for me. Sometimes the youngest among us say it best. In just two years, state data shows the number of Indiana kids in foster homes has jumped by more than 3,000 children. We'll be right back to wrap things up after this. Winners and losers, Tim, who do you got this week? My loser this week is Donald Trump for a very sad endorsement of Roy Moore. My winner this week is House Leader Scott Pilaf, Democratic Caucus Leader. He's stepping down from that seat and also from an esteemed career in the General Assembly. Right. One winner, Mitch Daniels, this week. He gave a great speech on Friday where he said, thank God there's an establishment because that's the group that gets things done. And it's no judgment Sunday here. I just hope everyone had a great uh, Thanksgiving holiday and uh, did well on Black Friday. All right, we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.